0: Hi, guys. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety. Today, we have got 10 points in 10 minutes with Tim Musso. Welcome, everyone. So following up from my last conversation with Stephen, I think that a few things really come up for me. First and foremost is the idea that everyone holds personal boundaries. Now, when I talk about personal boundaries, oftentimes our mind goes to really societal ones. We think about things like we're not going to engage in sexual harassment in the workplace or we're going to respect people's preferences for communication and how they like to be engaged with after hours. But beyond that, our boundaries can become very individualized. They're grounded in our past histories, experiences that we've had in our family, lingering traumas that we might have experienced growing up as kids, Um, even things that we had as our first job, right? So when you were maybe a teenager or just entered the workforce, that can stick with you and it can really define and change how you interact with the people around you, your peers, future managers, colleagues even in customers. And it's really important to consider that because many of us may not always reconcile or define our boundaries, even though when we hold those, a violation of them can really cause us to feel discomfort or to cause us to disconnect, want to leave an organization. It might cause us to lose trust with the people around us. And that's the second point that's really important to reconcile, is that a boundary violation can occur Regardless of our relationship with someone, how much we've disclosed that boundary with them, whether we've shared it or not, um, how much they know about it, and regardless of past interactions. And that's always really important to consider. Sometimes I think when people talk about or hear about boundary violations, their gut reaction is, "Why well, didn't know any better, or that's not what I was trying to accomplish. And so it's important to be very considerate of recognizing, regardless of what you're trying to do or what you're hoping to accomplish in a situation, and whether or not you know about a boundary, if you have violated someone's boundary, they're going to feel that sense of violation. Now, absolutely, we also know the third point kind of is that context can matter. Um, Your intentions for that situation, your intentions for that encounter, that relationship can change, but when we think about context and the context and the intent of our actions, The important thing for the third point is to really realize that it's up to the person who experiences the violation to define and determine how much context matters. Um, Trust is kind of like this bank that we're constantly depositing into and it's not up to us to tell another person well we've had great interactions to this point or you know we've had a really positive relationship up to here Really, we have to rely on that other person to define it and to be able to say, hey, I know this is the violation I experienced, but because of past interactions, I can discern that maybe this isn't what you meant to do, or perhaps you were trying to accomplish something else. But again, we really have to let the other person, the person who felt and experienced a violation to define that. Um, Because if we come to the situation and say, well, I wasn't trying to do that, it can feel like we're taking away their experience or diminishing what they went through. Now, the fourth point, building off that, is the idea that harm really is a veritable concept. I see this a lot, especially talking about sexual violence and harassment, but I think a lot of times when we think of the word harm, our mind goes to the most egregious behaviors and the most egregious incident. Um, Harm is something that scales, and so we know that the way we experience harm is going to be different and the types of harm that we can perpetrate are different. And I think a lot of times this is really important to reconcile because if we're only thinking of worst case behaviors, worst case scenario, if we're only looking at things in the most egregious form, we're probably missing out on other behaviors, incidents, violations that someone might be experiencing. And this this is really important because whenever I talk about things like sexual harassment or sexual violence prevention, this leads to the idea that we really have to not just be against the worst behaviors, A lot of times when I talk with audiences, their reaction is, well, I would never engage in sexual violence, I would never engage in sexual harassment. And absolutely, I believe that, I understand that 100%. But I would say for that next point, it's thinking about, we have to be actively working against it in so many different ways, right? It's not just saying, hey, I would never sexually assault someone. It's thinking about, how are we talking about and exploring consent in our relationships? Even if we're in a consensual sexual encounter or relationship, how are we thinking about our partner and their humanity, and how are we approaching it from an ethical perspective to say, yeah, consent might exist, but what about how we're treating them before the interaction, during the interaction, after the interaction?" Sure, we might be against workplace sexual harassment, so we're not gonna do the most aggressive forms of harassment, unwanted touching, inappropriate jokes or comments, things of that nature. But how are we just also looking at the other pieces of offering our coworkers and peers humanity and making sure that we're really focused on the small pieces of language and those bits of nuance that we can really dial in on. Um, It's really critical that we think about not just being against the big behaviors, but the small behaviors from there. With that said, I think the other thing to reconcile is that violations are going to happen in every relationship, um, regardless of your best intention. You know, And I know we've talked a little bit about that, but if someone comes to you and says, hey, I experienced some kind of violation, it's important to know how to respond. Whenever I look at this, I would always recommend to apologize without contextualizing. So simply, own up if someone either comes to you and says, hey, this is what I experienced, or if you recognize that there might have been something that caused someone harm, or you feel uncomfortable with one of your behaviors, really just want to reinforce that idea that it's important to apologize without contextualizing. So your job is not to say, I was trying to do this, this is what I meant, this is what I was responding to. Because again, that can delegitimize what someone's experiencing, it can take away some of their emotions. So simply apologize, owned up to what you went through. And I think when you apologize without contextualizing, it leads to a better conversation where you can start to say, hey, what are the next steps? Because you've taken ownership regardless of your intentionality. So you show this person that you want to move forward. And then you can really shift the conversation to focus on how are we going to move forward from this? How are we going to change things? What does the future look like? The next point I would really always like to reinforce is that our identities really impact how we perceive these situations, how we've been raised, the cultures that we come from, the identities that we hold, the identities we hold that others may not be aware of. All of those really intimately impact how we're perceiving boundaries, boundary violations, things like sexual violence and harassment. For example, I oftentimes talk about masculinity and for many male-identified individuals. um, One thing to think of is for many of us, if you're raised as a man, you're taught not to take no for an answer, to be assertive or aggressive or to be dominant. And we have to think about how that identity impacts the way we interact with each other, right? If we're constantly taught, never take no for an answer, the end result can sometimes be that we might um, unconsciously be ignoring people's boundaries. We might be pushing at times when we need to take a step back and pause. And so it's always important to think about how have we been taught to view the world and how have we learned and how is that impacting our interactions? With that said, I do believe that another huge point is that men have a unique role in this. Um, And that's not to blame men or to say, hey, look, the way you've been taught has made you a bad person. It's just to recognize that some of the things that we've learned, some of the systems that we've inherited are outdated. And we have to look at what those outdated systems are. And we have to be willing to account for them to reconcile those pieces, to take a step back and say, just because we are taught this doesn't mean it's effective. Examples of this might be ideas like men are taught that we have to be stoic and withhold our our emotions. So we can't display emotions. Um, That idea of like rejection and how we're responding to rejection. Oftentimes men are taught that we have to treat sexual partners as a sense of satisfaction for our own personal worth. Again, no man really just comes up with those ideas on their own, but we're taught those time and time again through media, society, groups, sports, organizations. And a part of, I think, modern masculinity is being willing to take a step back and say, what have I learned? How is it serving me? How is it serving other people? And am I willing to kind of critique this and really critique, is this benefiting me? Is this benefiting others? Is this causing harm to me? And is this causing harm to others? And that doesn't make you a bad person. It just means this is the world we grew up in, and we have to be willing to change that. We have to be willing to kind of critique that. And that leads me to the last point that I always believe, and I try and reinforce in so much of my work, is that I don't think anything is really sacred. I think a lot of times we might have personal experiences with cultural artifacts, beliefs, norms, behaviors, and it can feel very personal. And if you look at it on the individual level versus the systemic level, It might be something that you believe or cling to or rely on because it is so meaningful to you. Um, But I think we need to do a better job of reconciling that nothing is set in stone. And just because something's been the way it was for so many years doesn't mean we can't critique it, re-explore it, re-evaluate it, and come up with better answers. I think a lot of times you hear people saying, well, we're losing this, or they're trying to take away something that we've had for so long. And I think that's a very dangerous viewpoint because just because something has been around for quite a bit of time doesn't mean it's the most efficient version of things, right? Looking back at that idea of like boundaries, violations, especially behaviors like sexual harassment, I see a lot of times people are like, well, our organization has always done this or this is our culture or this is the way it's always been. And it's helping people reconcile that Just because something's been that way doesn't mean it's the most effective way of doing things or it doesn't mean that harm wasn't occurring. And maybe because of the times or the systems or environments, people just couldn't talk about that harm. A lot lot of times when people are, I think, critiquing parts of our society or parts of our organizations, I always try and help people understand that it's probably that harm was occurring. And it's just that those individuals who are experiencing it didn't have the voice or authority or power at the time to bring it up. And so I think whenever we see pieces of our culture being explored or critiqued, We should try and take a step back and separate, again, this doesn't make us bad people. It just means that we might've been engaging in or built into systems that weren't working and that's okay. It's okay to change, it's okay to evolve, it's okay to move forward because progress is inevitable but we have a choice in what side of progress we're going to be on. Fantastic summary. Thank you so much, Tim. What a fantastic step-by-step beautiful thought system about uh, about how we can move forward, and how we can grow into a society where there are new norms, new normal, the new normal doesn't need just to be in with regards to COVID. It can also be how we appreciate fellow human beings. And that's really what your key message is there. And it's wonderful. Tim Musso, 10 points in 10 minutes.